The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. It's official. The countdown is on to Christmas, holiday shopping amidst COVID-19 lockdown. It's going to be a very interesting uh, haul, and I must add, and uh, retail spending is a component uh, of our economy. Uh, it, it, it picks up the pulse of the consumer, and of course, uh, as goes the consumer, certainly in America, so goes the economy. And the U.S. consumer represents some 70% of U.S. economic activity. So uh, I think a lot of retailers are holding their breath, a lot of frustration going on, certainly those towns and cities that are in lockdown mode. Um, but I will say the uh, the concept of shopping from home and having people come to you uh, seems to be a growing theme. I certainly am going through a home renovation uh, and uh, lots of individuals are coming through my doors and I am doing shopping, uh, although uh, much of it uh, online and by phone. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Lots of shortages out there and uh, well, lots of interesting items on the block. Uh, Ryan Wright's uh, joining us. Um, he is a custom specialist, Babler Radio, independent retailer, iconic uh, audio video store at the corner of Bay and Bloor. Uh, good God, he's been in Toronto since the 50s. Uh, Saul Mandelson, Mark Mandelson, and, uh, well, it's moving into its third generation. Uh, Ryan, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, join us. I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. This is Saturday night, audio, video, surround sound, home theater. Uh, the industry uh, has evolved. And again, you, you took a walk through my home and graciously spending some time taking a peek at uh, my money pit and the old bones of an old home in Toronto. All of this needs work. Um, but it's remarkable that, you know, the 5G network is in front of us. We're working from home. Um, we, we, we certainly now depend on our technology more than ever. Uh, children are being educated from home. Uh, you, know, you certainly don't want to see the network go down. Uh, I don't want to see it during the middle of a trade. I don't want to see it during my, one of my children in the middle of an exam. So uh, you're, you're in certainly um, morphed itself in, into a, a true uh, uh, aspect of a specialization uh, with respect to audio, video, and communication and network gear. Um, I want you to speak to that, Ryan. Uh, you know, where are the consumers going, and, and and who are the people now involved to help get all of us up to speed with our uh, needs? Well, let's just say for starters, hi, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Um, we're obviously in unusual times indeed, no doubt about that. Uh, more than ever, I mean, people are at home, they're working from home, they're not really traveling. So they're really wanting things to work well at home because when it doesn't, it causes a lot of turmoil and frustration. So part of that puzzle with audio video now is uh, is really the networking side of it to make sure that someone has a stable, solid Wi-Fi network with good coverage around their house. That is absolutely paramount. So many things that I sell, uh, rely on good internet and good Wi-Fi. So uh, networking is something that I do quite a bit in a lot of homes where uh, where it's needed. So, 
Well, again, you, you just look at gaming. Uh, Jack and I have benefited uh, uh, by owning some of the gaming stock, Take Two Interactive, Activision. Um, the amount of bandwidth that can suck uh, from the network is, is enormous. And again, uh, if, if it doesn't operate, uh, kids can get frustrated and yelling and screaming can begin. It's a firsthand experience of that when the network <laughs> goes down. My goodness me, the world has come to an end. Um, uh, solving that problem is, is a whole other uh, kettle of fish, and you know, that, that's the uh, you know annual or biannual call to Rogers or Bell uh, to see if you're getting the best deal. But it, it, it's no longer about price; it really isn't. It's more about network capability, and the variance in speed I have learned is significant. Uh, and I'm not sure if it's K or joules or gigabytes. You know better than I would. But uh, we were getting ourselves now, I think, 994 something versus five or 10 something. But speak to that uh, about these yeah. networks available with, with, with fiber optic cable versus old old copper. Yeah, um, there is. Uh, so there's two factors in getting good internet that's going to work for people in a house. So one factor is getting a good signal to the house. So it's almost a, akin to a water pipe if I've got a dribble of water coming in, how in the world am I going to have three showers with any pressure? So I need good signal coming into the house, certainly when you can have fiber optic direct to your house, which Bell 5 does offer in some neighborhoods, typically at a, usually at a premium cost. Uh, you can get speeds that are, are so far beyond what you'd ever get on those old copper lines. So uh, whenever possible, that is uh, very important. It is measured in megabytes per second, Mbps. So that's just a kind of a... Dorky way of saying, you know, the higher the number, the, the, the stronger the signal coming into your home. So that's an important thing. The unrelated part of that is having good Wi-Fi coverage within the home. So the Internet service provider's main goal is to get the Internet into your house. Really, as far as getting it distributed so you have good coverage is a whole other kettle of fish. It's not something that they're really specialized in. So when you shove your, your modem uh, down in the basement in the corner, there's next to no chance you're going to get really good coverage all throughout a multi-story home, especially especially when it's an older home. So that's where I often come in and, and integrate a much superior Wi-Fi solution so that uh, that you have much better coverage. So Bay Blur Radio can help with that uh, dilemma. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I will say, uh, and again, to, to the audience at home, if you're frustrated with your current network capability, in other words, you're not getting enough uh, uh, MBPS, as you said, um, as a megabyte per second. Megabytes per second, yeah. Um, I'm getting nine, uh, 994 now uh, with my Bell 5 line. And guess what? Uh, if you call Bell Business, they're offering a deal. They certainly offered a deal to us. It, it, it's about $100 a month, and that includes a phone line. And get this, Bell Business is $10 a month cheaper than Bell Residential. It makes no sense. They, we're in a, a three-year contract, and uh, after three years, the price doubles, at which point we can re- renegotiate and, and see how it all plays out. But now let's take this again. Of course, your whole entertainment network is tied into this, and this is where you come into the equation. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and the beauty of, of, of again, digitization is, is uh, uh, there's, a lot, there's, a lot, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, uh, and it certainly when it comes to the artists, the uh, music sales have never been higher due to streaming. Um, but again, with that, uh, comes easy access to it. So when, when, when you have multiple people in a home, uh, all uh, taking from the network uh, various songs and the likes, uh, how do you keep that operating smoothly to make sure it, it doesn't fail uh, anyone uh, participating on the network? 
Uh, there's a number of things. I mean, obviously, if you have a good signal coming in, that's the first piece of the puzzle. And then, of course, having ideally Wi-Fi access points in a perfect world, at least one per floor, somewhat central. Uh, in a new home or a, a gut job rental, you'd have hardwired access points in the ceiling that just look like smoke detectors. and They just attach right onto the ceiling. That's how you guarantee you're going to get very good coverage throughout that. We also do outdoor ones that are waterproof that are designed to go out in the back of the yard. So that way, when you're out by the pool, you're de- definitely going to get good Wi-Fi. Um, but uh, no doubt uh, having a, uh, a strong uh, pressure, we'll call it, uh, coming in is one of the keys, aside from having good Wi-Fi coverage. Because when you have three or four people all pulling at once, you're splitting up that pie into smaller slices. But the more right. the pressure, much like having multiple showers on at the same time, if the overall pressure coming in is, is strong, then you're not going to have a problem. Uh, we speak with Ryan Wright. If you're just joining us on Hi-Fi Radio this evening at the show about money, of course, and little fidelity, high fidelity is always woven in. Ryan Wright, by the way, is a high fidelity expert. He's also a custom design specialist uh, with a brand that you are all familiar with, and that's Bay Bloor Radio. It's a fantastic store of uh, uh, state-of-the-art uh, audio video gear. Always has, always will be the case. Uh, you are uh, listening to a great show, and Jack and I, of course, are delighted to be here with you. If you have any questions for Jack or I, uh, or Ryan Wright for that matter, Ryan Wright, of course, can be found at Babler Radio, BabelerRadio.com, and questions for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com. We're happy to answer any question. No question is too big or too small for us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to Ryan Wright, uh, check in with my partner, Jack Hartle, see how he's holding up. And, uh, yeah, uh, have a lot of fun with you this evening. Please spend some time with us. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Welcome back to the show, my good friends. It is Hi-Fi Radio Show about money. You know, I was watching um, Nova last night or two nights ago. It's a great show. Um, and uh, it was a documentary on Notre Dame, uh, the rebuilding of Notre Dame. Uh, fascinating, fascinating story, fascinating architecture. Um, uh, Ryan Wright, of course, is here to join us. And I'll tell you, Ryan, um, uh, when, when Notre Dame uh, caught fire, uh, the, the information uh, relay, the, uh, the, the smoke detector, there, there was a massive delay in that. And uh, as such, a 10-minute delay in the uh, uh, igniting of uh, Notre Dame uh, caused uh, serious, serious uh, ramifications, uh, highly costly ramifications. Had it been a quicker response, uh, perhaps the fire wouldn't have gotten as out of control as it has. Uh, it's a, just a key, key part of uh, Paris history, French history. And, uh, you know, it, it's just fascinating what, what the scientists are able to do, the engineers, the architects are able to do now with um, technology. They're going to all of their historic buildings now, and they're basically doing a, a architectural digitization replica. Uh, they're, they're putting these scanners in. They're scanning the entire building to find out what kind of composites 
materials, how it was built, how it was fastened, uh, all the data on it so for future generations they can better uh, rebuild and fix and restore, et cetera, uh, these buildings. But Again, uh, had they had a better network in place, uh, perhaps Notre Dame wouldn't have uh, taken such a, uh, uh, a turn for the worst, I shall say. Uh, ties right into your business, too, uh, my good friend. I, I want to go back to, you know, when you're contacting Bell uh, to look for your new network, make sure that the installer does their job properly. And that's where it's tricky because, again, you and I perhaps don't know enough about what we don't know. But I know uh, Kathleen, my wife, was fighting with Bell to make sure that our line was connected directly to our modem. Uh, they tried to do a shortcut, and it was not as good as being directed to the modem. When we go 5G and when the modems get updated, it has to be connected to the modem. So make sure they're doing a proper job. They can also bury that cable if you don't want it dangling above your house so it's all part of doing a good job and making sure that you have what you need that's going to last and you know ryan i'm going to say to you it's funny as as we upgraded our uh, our, uh, our network to fiber um i, I had to uh, uh do some waterproofing on my basement and as we're waterproofing the basement we came across an old um footing uh for a television antenna Saul Mandelson will be filling me very, very familiar with those <laughs> antennas. Um, but the footing for this thing was, 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 was about a, a meter in diameter, and it went mm-hmm. well below the frost line, about down five feet. It had these three major um, pieces of rebarb that were threaded at the top to hold the tower on it. And, and so it just, again, I have to think back at, at how we have advanced. In, in, in audio, video communications and how it's all um, uh, come together uh, from a television tower to taking that down, putting up a satellite dish on the chimney to taking that down to bringing this small little cable, very, very small cable now, this fiber optic, and, 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 and being able to do some incredible things. But I want to now pivot back to what Jack's getting into, and that is a little bit of vinyl um, uh, turntables. Pure audio, Jack. You're you're really enjoying yourself with your with your record collection and, and playing your records every now. I want you to speak to the passion that you have for vinyl, and let's let's, let's speak then about uh, you know some of the cool brands around vinyl. And is there any investable ideas? And I know Dolby Pro Logic is, is a great investable idea. Um, uh, Sonos speakers recently out with great results. Great investable idea. Uh, turntables highly fragmented factors. Jack, jump in. But, Jump on your turntable passion, and then I wanted to get over to Ryan. Yeah, well, thanks, and uh, thanks, Ryan, for joining us. Um, yeah, with the uh, with the vinyl that you gave me earlier this year, uh, you know, uh, at least 100 records, classic records, and uh, just as we enter the holiday season, Wolf, um, you know, we were decorating the house on uh, on Saturday with the kids, brought out some old uh, Christmas records, had some Johnny Cash out, had some Ann Murray, uh, just listening, we're talking digital in the, uh, throughout this conversation, but, you know, going back to analog, putting a, uh, a record on and just having the kids enjoy it uh, was excellent. And um, I was just talking to, to Ryan as well. So switching from analog to, to digital and, and going um, wireless, we're talking about Sonos. I mean, that stock uh, just recently, and again, I'm not uh, saying it's a buy recommendation or anything, but it really had a, a recent pop uh, in the last quarter. And I think that is as people are, you know, looking at their homes, staying in their homes longer right now, uh, they're in lockdown and they really want to enjoy that. So I was wondering maybe, Brian, if you could maybe speak to that company and what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, Sonos is a company that kind of invented a category back, uh, started in 2001. We've been dealing with them at Bay Bloor for, I think, 2004, 2005 range. I've had it at home for about 13 years. Um, so it's uh, very popular. Uh, it's something that allows, it's a platform that allows you to use an app with various different products that they make so that you can have different areas of sound throughout your house. 
and be able to use internet radio with that app, be able to use any of the paid streaming services such as Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, and so forth. Uh, Really, the sky's the limit on the quality of sound you can get. Uh, They do make a little component that plugs into a traditional amplifier, which I have in a couple of different rooms where you have a pair of traditional wired speakers. So really, the sky's the limit on how good a sound that could be. They also do make some little wireless speakers that you can put in other rooms where you just want some background ambient music. They have sound bars. So they're uh, sort of, I'd say, I'll still say the leader in the category. Uh, We do sell another brand called Blue Sound, which is a more local artisanal brand that does some things that Sonos doesn't do. So they've become fairly popular for us as well. But uh, Sonos still is the leader in the category. Uh, We're going to hit the commercial break real quick. I want to throw one last question at you, Ryan. Again, brands is what it's all about. Jack and I buy great brands for our clients um, because brands stand the test of time. They stand... The, the presidential cycles, they, 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 they withstand financial crises. Brands is where it's at. Macintosh, um, handmade uh, audio components, um, very expensive, uh, made in New York. Um, is that company private? Um, and Because uh, Dolby ProLogic is a, is a public company. That, too, is, a, is an amazing brand. But are there any other publicly traded companies that you are aware of in your field that are doing some really innovative things? Yeah, in fact, there's really not a lot of publicly traded companies in my field. Um, There are uh, certainly uh, holding companies that have acquired a number of brands and and have them all under one roof. So that certainly happened since 2008. We've seen a lot more of that. Uh, Certainly my industry at the core is people usually who are passionate about what they're doing, and they're doing it not just to make a buck, but because it's something they're interested in at the core. Uh, Certainly when they go public, then that sometimes changes a little bit. But uh, Sonos right now is the big one. Um, uh, Obviously, there are other kind of indirect brands that we don't really sell, but we install like Apple and things like that. But uh, most of our most of our stuff that we do is, is typically private. And Macintosh is one of them. Yeah. Well, Mac is a a great product. And Babler Radio sells Macintosh as well. Uh, Boy, that'd be a nice ticket for you. Uh, Ryan, uh, quickly, your Instagram handle, because I I, I like following you on Instagram. You you, you put up some of the coolest stuff. Uh, Please share with the audience your Instagram handle, and uh, I encourage you all to follow Ryan. It's a wonderful journey through audio. Yeah, well, my name is uh, Ryan Wright, so I called it The Wright Sound, so the W-R-I-G-H-T sound, just because for everyone there is a different Wright sound, and so I I do, you know, uh, show a lot of interesting different kinds of projects and installs on there, just to show the diversity of what what I do, and it's uh, certainly more than just selling TVs and on stereo equipment, but there's a lot more to it, but uh, that's something that I like to show people of just a little snapshot of what I'm capable of doing, but I'm certainly reachable at the store at 416-967-1122 or uh, ryan at babelerradio.com or the right sound. It is Saturday night. It's on by radio. If you want to tune up your home, you contact Ryan, right? If you want to make some more money, you stay tuned. Jack and I are here to help you. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There's a record that sold 45 
million copies. Uh, that's 45 times platinum. Oh, what an iconic brand that is. My good friends, it's Saturday night. Thank you for spending some time with us. It's my job. It's Jack's job to help you make some more money. Uh, I'll tell you, it, when my children uh, have began investing in mutual funds. And every single week, uh, as they get 100 bucks, they buy a little bit of uh, the CI Global Income and Growth Fund. Uh, Eric Bushel, the Senior Vice President, Portfolio Manager, Chief Investment Officer, uh, graciously spending some time with us. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this man, Eric Bushel, is the Chief Strategist uh, for the CI Fund of $7 billion. Um, Eric, I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. Obviously, a very, very busy individual. So uh, it means a lot to Jack and I and our listeners. Thank you for coming on board. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. What's, what's your make for next year? This is basically in the bag. Without jinxing it, uh, I think 2020 is going to go down as an incredibly successful year. What's your call for 2021 to begin the show here? Listen, I think um, we obviously had um, an unprecedented kind of global economic hit because of the synchronization that came from COVID. And that um, impacted employment, impacted consumption, and, and, and led actually to a large outflow from equities and a big inflow into fixed income. And that positioning, which took place like in the three to six months after the March onset in the Western economies, that, that positioning has not, has not turned. And yet, elements that are going to facilitate the recovery are being put in place. Of course, those being, you know, therapies, vaccines, testing around COVID, but also um, the uh, election in the U.S., uh, bringing assurances that there'll be more stimulus to bridge us to that point where there's economic normalization. So, so basically, earnings recovery should be fairly robust next year with decent operating leverage underpinning the equity market. Meanwhile, that sort of pivot back into growth means that fixed income is probably going to lag. You're likely to lose money in government, in government uh, bonds next year um, and maybe you know, break even in investment-grade type credit. So, so, so it's a, it's a, the setup that we – the outlook that we have is basically – recovery that underpins risk and that carrying throughout 2021. Well, again, I, I look at your, your current asset mix. Um, and again, uh, being a uh, balanced type fund, um, and again, you, you have a wider mandate, which is great, but normally a balanced fund. And the textbooks would have told us, you know, again, you've been in the business for almost three decades. Back in the day when you began, you would have had, I guess, half your money in bonds, half in stock. Today, you're running 20% in bonds, 80% in stock and, and, and some alternatives. You mentioned you have some gold in there uh, as well. But uh, I agree with you. I, I continuously am, 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 am trying to encourage my clients to take on more risk. And I say, look, I think the real risk is in the debt market, not in the equity market. Um, people have not seen a haircut in owning government bonds yet. At some point, you got to think they're going to see interest rates go up bonds go down. That's the way it works, my friends at home. And that's so important. So the, the problem we have is uh, if you can't balance yourself, you can't offset um, risk by adding in a different asset class, i.e. bonds over stocks. You basically have to buy stock today. And, and that sets up its own potential recipe for, I hate to use the word disaster, but uh, you know, too much of a good thing uh, can no longer be. 
listen, I think if you're you're absolutely right insofar as the the um, collapse in interest rates globally has powered um, tremendous returns to to bonds. And this year is no different. And the returns have actually been very robust, both in the corporate credit sphere as well as in, in the government um, uh, debt sphere. And sort of we're talking returns of, you know, six and seven and eight percent. So equity like returns from risk from risk free assets, at least in relation to the government side. Um, that's a bad indication um, of, of what to expect going forward, though, because at this point, the yields um, of, at around a half of one percent to three quarters of one percent trail inflation by a full one percent. So mm-hmm. you're losing your purchasing power with your savings and that the bottom line on 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 savings, the, the, the most rudimentary um, performance objective someone has to have is to sustain the purchasing power of their savings. And actually, the bond market now is going to fail in that in, in, in achieving that most basic need. And so um, I'm, I, I endorse your kind of positioning. And we've reflected that in, in the way we've designed the fund at this juncture, which is really yeah. shying away from those government government debt instruments. Well, and, and, and debt period, because everything is priced off government. If governments can borrow for free, corporations can borrow for free plus, well, I guess free plus free. But again, and Jack, maybe you want to jump in here. Um, and again, Jack spends a lot of time in the debt market uh, on behalf of the Wolf on Bay Street uh, practice. Um, but the Chinese just went went to market and borrowed money. And again, you, you would know this better than I would, Eric, uh, borrowed money at negative interest rates, which means they're going to take a dollar from you and give you back 99 cents plus interest in, in, in 10 or 20 years. No, that's true, Wolf. And in terms of, you're talking about negative rates. So negative rates in Europe, the Chinese borrowing at negative rates. What Eric's talking about here is negative real rates uh, in North America. And that's what we have. When you, when you can generate a government return, call it 80 basis points, and inflation's running 1% above that, your purchasing power, the amount of uh, goods and services that you can buy uh, at the end of that maturity is less than you could have bought at this moment. So what's going on is central banks are forcing people to um, to take risk if they want to get a real return. And they're also debasing their currency. So I would expect over time to see some significant inflation. Um, and we're starting to see that with some supply shortages. We're starting to see that with logistic uh, bottlenecks. And I was wondering maybe, Eric, if you could speak to that. What's your view on inflation over the next you know, two to five years? Because I think it's much more than the market is pricing in right now. It is the most essential question to investing because um, the inflation path going forward in the U.S. primarily because the U.S. is the global reserve currency and those rates will spill over and impact rates in other, all other geographies. So the post-COVID recovery, um, you know, deglobalization, there are these sort of various impacts, uh, demographics, there's so many different forces that no one has yet, including the U.S. Fed, been able to figure out what, in fact, is going to drive inflation. So we have to be careful ourselves in getting too convicted about um, uh, what that path looks like. But with a synchronized global recovery, with inventories being low, and at the at what's been um, in a multi we've since 2012 been in a downturn in the commodity complex. So given all of that, 
um, and the low rates now fueling housing and auto and other consumption. Uh, I think that we're going to uh, face this very same question, certainly, for the next two years. And we're going to see these bottlenecks and we're going to see um, commodity prices escalating. And the, the fact that we've got a La Nina cycle, which is a very consequential meteorological um, development, and that has bearing on, on agricultural commodity markets and so forth, is, 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 can, can contribute to a perception at the very least that inflation is going to rebound through the Fed's traditional target of 2%, and they're going to let it do so because they're, there's a, a new um, operating uh, uh, policy at the Fed, which is permitting inflation to run hot. And so I think all those things are going to come together and support this notion that um, uh, that inflation is going to be coming back and so forth, which and, and, and that'll transpire into um, uh, higher uh, government bond interest yields and, and, and keep, you know, following on our last uh, discussion here and putting some pressure on the bond market. Yeah, well, without question, again, it's amazing that the bonds continue to perform this year. Uh, again, last year, I would have said bonds wouldn't perform this year. They continue to perform this year. At some point, Alice, at some point, <laughs> bonds will go down when rates go up. And, and the gentlemen, in terms of inflation, and again, I'm renovating a house right now. I'm seeing it boots on the ground firsthand. Shingle prices, cedar shingle shakes are up about 75 to 100%, and you can't even get them. I purchased the fridge. I called Kaplan's. I couldn't even see them. Full price, full retail, pay in advance. You may get it in a month. Same goes for a washer and dryer. Bottlenecks, can't get it, and there is no deals to be had. Uh, glue, uh, even up 100%. need a special glue for a cement floor to parge a cement floor. The glue was up 75%. Uh, so there is inflation, but on the other hand, there are categories that are suffering. You want to buy some clothes? Oh, my God, they're giving clothes away. So this is category by category, but I think on mass without question. Uh, I can sniff inflation. The market's not pricing it in. Um, be careful for what the market considers uh, a fait accompli because usually the opposite occurs. We're going to do a quick commercial break. It is Hi-Fi Radio. We are so excited to have Eric Bushel join us. Uh, Eric Bushel manages north of $7 billion. He's a very, very smart man. Uh, he's an award-winning uh, portfolio manager, uh, Morningstar named him Equity Fund Manager of the Year. Uh, excellent uh, investment executive named him Fund Manager of the Year as well. Uh, Eric, it's a delight to have you. Please uh, stay tuned, my good friends. We'll spend some more time and learn about money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. My good friends, I do take requests, Eric Bushel requests a little courage. Uh, you know, managing money, uh, Eric, uh, does require courage every now and then, um, you know, to go against the grain and uh, think 
on your own two feet and then vote with your wallet and make an investment. Um, I want to speak briefly about Bitcoin. Uh, Jack and I have been, uh, you know, goofing around just watching it and having a few guests on talk Bitcoin. And I also want to talk about, uh, can you give us any uh, thematics as to what you are currently purchasing uh, to set up for your uh, a nice trade for the next say, 18 months? Well, if you think about the, the, the sectors that have had been the most hated, that have been impacted by COVID, that stand a chance of some kind of recovery going into next year, um, two sectors that were at risk, um, energy, you know, it's facing the challenge of um, the ESG, and, uh, meaning the uh, more environmental sensitivity being put into uh, to investing. And so energy is getting knocked out, carbon-free portfolios, right? And so there are basically no buyers for energy, except for energy companies themselves that see that there's such extraordinary values. And they're then going to their bankers to try to secure and uh, to, to, to uh you know, buy out competitors and we're consolidating the sector. It's happening in the U.S., it's happening in Canada on the part of the, the um, exploration and production companies, the producers. I'm going to jump in there, sorry. Eric. Eric, let yeah. me, sorry. Let me yeah, jump in there because it's, it's amazing. And, and Jack, you were there with me. You set the guest up last week. We had um, uh, oh, Rafi Tamazian from Canada. Thank you, Rafi Tamazian on. And so, so his, uh, his point is, yes, the energy sector is waking up. There is M&A, but do not by the acquired, by the acquire or, you know, by the company that's doing the buying, not the company that's going to get bought out. What do you think of that? Listen, I, I, I think that it's been a extraordinarily painful um, for the, the oil patch, the fact that there's been uh, so much oversupply and that we're, you know, and then the transition to the low carbon economy and the rest of it. So it's, it, they've been in pain. And the producers are struggling, and uh, and you're right. The buyers are in charge. Um, um, Bay Street is not buying. Um, the investors are are exiting the square, and so it, the only person who's setting the price is that industry buyer, and he's going to drive a tough bargain. Which is, I think, the message that you were getting there, and I totally agree with that. That the buyer is going to be getting a pretty good deal. So buy the company that is doing the buying, period. I was, uh, Eric, what do you think about Bitcoin? What's your opinion on it? It's, it's been a bull market for Bitcoin, you know, trading at highs last seen in 2017, certainly competing with gold as a safe haven. Um, but, you, you know, you, you have these Robinhood traders stepping in, these new platforms, unregulated. Um, please speak to it. Well, it's it's definitely adding pressure on central banks to bring um, uh, central bank uh, uh, national fiat uh, digital currency to market, as Canada will do, as the Chinese are doing, and ultimately the U.S. and the e and the and the ECB, all of them will have a, have a digital fiat so that they can move forward and with more sophisticated payment systems and get costs and frictions um, down in in the uh, digital eco- uh, economy, and so that is going to happen. And so we're migrating the entire sort of ecosystem to be sort of digital friendly, even with fiat currencies. Um, you know, is this going to create a sort of a, a wave of digital assets? Yes, because we're going to be digitizing all kinds of assets. So there's, I think, the technologies underpinning Bitcoin and the rest, um, uh, a blockchain and the rest are going to get um, supersized. I mean, they're going to become the sort of the internet for transaction payments, uh, the internet equivalency for, for, for payments. And, and so there's a big, big future there. Bitcoin itself 
yeah. I think is um, um, I do I, I agree with your observation. It's sort of like it perceived as a store of value because of the um, because of the having and the finite number of Bitcoin and so forth. But it's it's um, it's still cutting its teeth. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be all over the place. There is more institutional adoption happening mm-hmm. um, by private client and uh, and and the custodians and the infrastructure permitting uh, professional money managers to get involved is starting to take shape. And so we're so we're bringing in new participants, and the coin itself has more utility insofar as it gets enabled on in, in more uh, digital payment ecosystems with just to be able to make payments, PayPal, etc. So all those things are supportive, um, but I think that the um, the bulls are probably I think running a bit hard with the deal <laughs> with those with those developments because if as we normalize, what we're going to see is that. Uh, conventional assets are actually going to be performing fairly well. Okay. By which I mean like equities and so on. And, and then I'd rather own the conventional asset and, and, and be um, where I, I, I have more confidence in the, in the, just really in what's backing it and the durability. You so, know, Eric, I'm a simple guy and, and Jack came up with an amazing simple idea for our clients. And I quickly said, this is so obvious. I'd let's do it. Uh, and that was Jack, your, your bank of Nova Scotia idea. And again, I want you to repeat your simple idea, interest rates versus bond yield, or excuse me, dividend yield. Yeah. Well, just, uh, within, the, I guess the last month, you know, we were looking at, I was looking at GICs actually for clients and they were sub 1%. And then we looked at the bank in Nova Scotia uh, at the time. And there is obviously equity risk and volatility with that, but, uh, as opposed to being a lender only equity and it was yielding 6%, uh, you get the dividend tax credit there and you get the potential for capital appreciation. So in terms of opportunities, we, we see on the equity side, especially with relatively stable cash flowing type businesses, especially in a regular, a regulated industry, which the, the banking industry is in Canada, uh, we're much more comfortable for our clients buying that stock. And again, I would recommend that anyone um, looking for individual stock advice uh, speak with a, a professional advisor to make sure that it meets their goals and objectives. But uh, Bank of Nova Scotia fit the bill for us. Uh, we wanted to be receiving that dividend upwards of 6% uh, as opposed to the, the fixed income or the GIC that they were offering of you know sub 1%. Well, the key with the bank, uh, Eric and Jack, you both know this, the key for a bank is to make money on loans. They make money on loans when they can get a spread on their money. Uh, if the 10-year yield rises, and it, it, you're basically saying it's going to rise because inflation's coming, the bond market will move before the Fed will, correct, guys? And as such, um, uh, it, as interest rates push, um, th- th- that is going to be supportive for banks making more dough because their spread will increase. Uh, Eric, what do you think of the U.S. banks and Canadian banks, and for that matter, the global banks, being that you are a global money manager? And perhaps speak about what else you can do, because you can do a lot of things that Jack and I can't do because you are global in nature. You have infrastructure to trade globally. Jack and I stay very focused on North America. We do a darn good job at it. But that's, again, why I bring guys like you in to give me global overlay onto my portfolios. Listen, I, it not only is the um, interest rate environment important, but clearly the credit environment is important. And so consumer credit and unsecured consumer credit, cards businesses. Okay, if you take a look at the large card players, um, in the U.S., so you've got American Express, or you have you know, Synchrony or Discover, and um, we own Mastercard, by the way. Okay, so the cards companies um, 
there were expectations that there would be very large charge-offs because of the unemployment shock that came from COVID. And, um, but that has not materialized because of the government um, uh, policies around unemployment um, insurance and the, and the, and the actual direct um, stimulus payment checks that were sub- that were issued and so forth in the U.S. Yep, disturbed, yep. And now, with a, with a direct line of sight to some form of, of, of stabilization of the labor market in the U.S. Um, by, let's say, next summer with, with the vaccines and so forth, there's a confidence that we're not going to have that big charge-off shock. And so companies like a, a Citibank, which has a massive um, cards uh, a, a business and so forth, these businesses are ripping. And and so Good. yeah, and I, even and, and the Bank of Nova Scotia itself has been has been pushing itself you know further into the um, unsecured unsecured consumer credit area where it's actually it's a higher return on equity business, but there's more risk to the cycle. And yeah, well, again, another reason we bought the Scotia yeah. Bank, and again, I want you to, again, Eric, uh, you, you can speak this uh, very, very articulately, uh, is to get some emerging market exposure. So if we have a global um, uh, synchronized growth or global reflation, a new cycle beginning, emerging markets should benefit very, very well. And they benefit further uh, if that U.S. dollar continues to slide. Uh, speak to the U.S. dollar quickly and also speak then to your opinion on emerging markets. Um, on the dollar side, it is, it's hard for me to see um, the big crosses, the dollar strengthen that much more against euro, against yen, um, or even against um, the Chinese currency, which uh, where the dollar has had a big, big move against the Chinese currency over the last uh, three or four months. So um, because the U.S. Is, is, is where Biden is going to come in, there's going to be some stimulus. The U.S. is actually going to recover to a growth rate that is going to exceed that of Europe and Japan quite considerably. And investors are still going to direct funds to markets where, where interest rates are higher and where there's better growth. And so I think it, it's going to be a bit more supportive than the, than the, the widely held, like, weak dollar narrative that is out there. Um, a lot of that is already just play out. But we, own, we own a lot of U.S. dollars because we own a lot of U.S. stocks in our portfolios. So that is very comforting. And sorry, the second half of the question? There only is one emerging market, and that's China. China is, um, is uh, going from strength to strength. They're taking, they're using the COVID window to invest deeply in up, up valuing um, through more um, capital investment in their in their manufacturing sector. They're buying all kinds of Japanese robotics, so China continues to press ahead in in, in the EV and cloud and all the enabling technologies that are going to fuel the next decades. And so um, China is uh, is where the money should be. The, the other emerging economies are all sort of also rands. They're going to get a cyclical kick on the commodity recovery next year, and that'll be nice for them. But they're um, going um, – China is like a, a, a black hole in the sense that it's going to suck the money in and starve those other smaller economies that just don't have the same um, uh, domestic uh, scale. Ex-India, ex-Indonesia perhaps, but the rest um, – you know, the South Africa's, Colombia's, Peru's, and the rest, they're um, going to find that their cost of capital goes up because China's going to hog the ball um, as, as foreigners look to, to, to make more investments there. 
Eric Bushel, Senior Vice President, Chief Investment Officer, CI Global Asset Manager, responsible for a $7 billion fund. Uh, Eric, honestly, uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, discussion. Great answers. Uh, you, you taught me a lot. You always do. I can't thank you enough. I want to wish you a great Saturday night. Well, that's it for our show, my good friends. I want to wish you a safe and prosperous weekend. And again, join us each and every Saturday night on Global News Radio 640 in Toronto. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.